Hello there and welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Sarah from Sarah Ferruya Coaching and this is the Legends Podcast. I believe there are many, many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories and I want to tell them and share them. These legends are a collection of people who I have found during my 20 years in Tokyo and before. All of them are brilliant people. And when I became bored with reading another billionaire's biography, I thought I want to tell the stories of the people who I meet who are absolutely fascinating, but you won't see on your regular podcast interview. They have overcome obstacles, both systemic and internal, and we cover all kinds of things from creativity, grief, racism, business, disaster, loss, trolling, infertility, farming, eating disorder, eco-feminism, and more. We have elite athletes, people who live on Zen temples in remote parts of Japan, BBC newscaster to Taekwondo champion. Please enjoy these amazing stories from what they've overcome, from what they've built, from what they've created, from the way that they talk. I'm just delighted thinking about it. So please get stuck in and enjoy this next legend. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to this, the Legends podcast with Sarah Furuya. And this is part of the mini series, What the Fuck Happened Next? <laughs> and today I am so thrilled to be welcoming my first ever guest on the Legends series. When back when we did it as a video, Tracy had a two-parter back in August 2019. And today we are here to find out what the fuck happened next in Tracy's life. I believe there are many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories and I want to tell them. I also don't believe in fairy tales. I don't believe when they say, and they lived happily ever after. I want to know what happened next. And so today we're going to spend 30 minutes with Tracy to find out what happened next. Hi, Tracy. Hi, how are you, Sarah? Uh, good. It's good Thank to be you. back. So about Tracy, she is a serial entrepreneur and multipreneur based in Tokyo. And she's one of the most successful Airbnb hosts in Tokyo with her company, Tokyo Family Stays. She also runs software company On4 Inc. or N4 Inc. with her family. Her consulting business, Tracy North Consulting, is where she helps short-term rental hosts discover the true potential of their asset to get booked in a crowded market without discounting. Now, that's kind of basically what she's doing at the moment, but there's so many other things to Tracy. So when we left Tracy in August 2019, and they all lived happily ever after, Tracy was looking into her greatest, greatest year yet. But before we get into that, I'd like to ask Tracy, what's a story that's either had an impact on you or influenced you or inspired you in the last two years since we spoke? What's a story? I think it's more the collective that people are telling stories, that people are wanting more than the highlight reel. And that realness, that vulnerability is so much more interesting and gives so many more layers. And I think we're evolving, um, hopefully. Well, I am anyway. And I'm just really enjoying getting to know people. And I'm more resonating with the not so pretty bits, the real bits. And I think more people are getting just immune to the glossy advertising that goes out on social media. So what's much more interesting is so stories of evolution do you have one that you'd like to share with us that you saw somebody going through or a story that really struck you during this time 
to be honest, for the last two years since we did this podcast, I have really been licking my wounds. I have been, you know, focused a lot on my own story and figuring out what that is. So that's what I've really been trying to do. Okay, so let's get into it, Tracy. So I want to be really clear here. The last two years have been really, 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 really hard for Tracy. But we agreed up front on a pre-call to this that she was happy for me to question her about it. So I want to be very clear that this is all with consent. And of course, Tracy, you can refuse to ask her if something feels too hurtful or too traumatic to talk about. We can move away from it as well. But I'm going to ask you some of the hard questions now, just because of what you just said. And because of that realness and because your story is such a stark contrast from A to B, I think it's an interesting one to tell, but I don't want to do that at the expense of your feelings or your mental health or your nervous system. So I just want to make sure that we're still in the same place. Are you okay? No, I'm good. Thank you. Yes. Okay, great. So in August 2019, Tracy was looking to 2020. We live in Tokyo. The Olympics were about to start the following summer. She had loads of airbnbs they were booking up at premium rates and she was looking into the best year ever but not only the best year ever the best year that was going to set her up for the rest of her life what the fuck happened next trace <laughs> well yes um everyone knows what happened in the world but how that specifically affected us was we started noticing things a lot earlier here in Tokyo. So we were hit hard and hit early because we are in Asia and we get a lot of Chinese visitors. So, you know, we started hearing rumblings January, yeah. you know, end of January 2020. And then, you know, that's when I first started to get the cancellation. I was like, hang on, this is a bit, this is a bit overkill, isn't it? And, uh, you know, here's me in denial thinking everything was fine. And then the Tokyo Marathon was cancelled in February and I was still just thinking that the whole world had gone crazy, that they were all overreacting. This was nothing. This was a blip, uh, you know. Of course, I wasn't objective about that. That was because I had had my whole five-year plan geared up to this year, and, and this was unplanned, unseen, you know, wasn't even a threat on the radar. So, of course, just in denial. And, yeah, it just got very real very quickly. I did not understand what was going on. And mm. I was completely bewildered. I thought everyone else had gone nuts. Um, <laughs> in reality, it was me going nuts. Um, so I spent a long time just being numb, just being confused about what was going on. Yeah, my whole nervous system was just in disarray, I think is the best way. It just took me a long time to process it. I was not processing things at all because every morning it would be the ding on my phone for three weeks. We were just getting cancellation after cancellation after cancellation, thousands of cancellations. And I'm not kidding, millions of dollars. Well, at least $1 million went within a couple of weeks time of revenue. And yeah, that's a lot to process when you're the head of a small company. You just see it, that all going. And then, of course, you start projecting things like, are we going to have to sell the house? Are we going to have to, you know, what are we going to do here? Um, it was a very, very confusing time. Um, so that's that's what the fuck <laughs> Yeah, <happened>. no, <laughs> I mean, I've got goosebumps as you're telling me this. And, you know, I feel I can feel emotion rising in myself as you tell me this, Tracy, because I mean, obviously I was there watching this happen with you. And, you know, lucky for me. My business wasn't super affected, but lucky for me also, that meant that I was able to be there for other people. And that's obviously my job as well. So 
I was able to kind of try and give a little bit of backbone to people. So you said there that in Japan, just a little bit of history is that the Diamond Princess, which was a cruise ship pulled in on its way around the uh, southern seas here and had people on board who had got COVID and then was docked in Yokohama, which is the second city here in Tokyo. So when Tracy says that we were hit hard and fast with that, it was a very quick response to that. My best guess is that Japan's seen something like this before. And with it being such a tiny, tiny island with so many people on it, it could be catastrophic if an epidemic swept through without any control. So very quickly we masked up and so on, so, so that it wasn't as terrible as it was in say England or USA or something like that. On the other hand, Tracy, you're watching your stuff go down there. So what was that like? I mean, you mentioned there, like you were in denial. You've often said to me that this felt like the seven stages of grief. So you were in shock and denial then. Yeah, completely. And, you know, first of all, there was my own denial. So thinking that everyone else was crazy. And then the realization that I'd been seeing everything incorrectly. That's a really hard lesson to learn when you've thought one thing and you're really adamant that this is the way, this is the truth. And then, and then very gently people, you know, showing you that perhaps you're not seeing things clearly. That was probably harder um, than anything else. I think recognizing that I had been misleading myself because I didn't want to believe something. That's a hard lesson to learn. Is it like when you leave a cult? There's a lot of polarity at the moment in the world with one side and another. Is that what happens when you sort of see things very, very differently? It was very hard on my nervous system, extremely difficult. And I was very fortunate to have very kind people around me who, who were just very steady and just held me and let me you know, just let me put one foot in front of the other and make sure that I was taking care of myself and, you know, just gave me the confidence to think, well, you know, you're not going to be out in the street. You're not going to have to sell your house immediately. So just slow it down. And I'm truly grateful to all of those people and my family, my parents. Oh my God, they're amazing that um, they just were able to just give clarity. And actually, you know what? It was my brother who gave me the most clarity because, you know, I was often one of my emotional flooding times and I'd said something it's like you know I was so frustrated because everything was going so well and then everything just went to shit and it was yeah. I almost felt like it was my fault because I was so you know pride comes yeah. before a fall all those old you know cliches come back it's just like okay was I overconfident did I bring this on myself because I you know because I was smug or you know I was looking forward to something being so good and it's like well you know, ripped out the universe, had a different story for me, you know. And the way my brother got me out of it was I'd said something like, it's not my fault, you know, I was like in the injustice of it all. And then he looked at me and said, it's not your fault. And I think that was the first time that I just went, oh, okay, it's not actually my fault. So, yeah, I'm still getting um, uh, emotional now. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Even after all this time. It's sad. It's very sad. And, and so... While we just allow this emotion to be present here, I'm just going to say like in the seven stages of grief, then there's like pain and guilt. And I think what you were plugging into there was the guilt. It's like, it seems bonkers, doesn't it? It does seem a bit bonkers, but at the time, because you were in what we would call emotional flood and you were completely hijacked by your nervous system, because listeners, I just don't know if you can imagine what it's like to watch your 
when she says it was going ding, 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 that's the messages coming through from the apps that she uses to rent out her properties. And those dings were cancellations coming in. So from every single day, that was money flying out of the bank, basically. Is that right, Tracy? Yes. So I think it was hard as well because I wasn't just dealing with my own fear of losing money, my own fear of the disease. Yeah, of course. Let's, let's not, let's so not forget having, there was a disease here. I, yeah. <laughs> you know, none of us know this is, yeah. this is an invisible invader. So, you know, we're, we've all got this pressure. So we're all washing our hands. We're all masked up. We're all going like, you know, who's typhoid Mary at? Like we are, you know, bunkered into our houses and washing our hands and and spending the day looking at graphs. You remember those days of looking at graphs and looking at the numbers going up and, you know, different countries here and different countries and looking at numbers of people dying. And so on a human level, it was just horrible. And then on a personal level, my business was collapsing around me. And it's not as if one of us in the household actually had a stable income. We were both, my husband yeah. and I were both invested in this. So yeah. our income is really reliant on this business. So it just collapsed completely. We have staff that we feel responsible for that we can now no longer pay. And I was not my best self as a CEO, I was not a good leader. And so I've got that guilt as well. And then on top of that, laying on top of that, is I'm dealing with everyone's confusion saying, can I travel? Can I not travel? And they're writing to me, asking me questions. I'm going, I don't know. And then people are asking for refunds on non-refundables. And so I had to sort of make, you know, business decisions to try and keep life support into my own company. So it was a lot. It was a lot. And, you know, there were times that I did well, there were times that I did poorly, and I can just reflect on on everything, trying to reflect on it without judgment. I was doing the best I could. I mean, Tracy, any one of those on their own would be really difficult to deal with. Like, if it was just that people were saying, can I travel? Can I travel? Can I travel? And I think, if, if I remember rightly, when you were in the shock and denial phase, do you mind me sharing a little bit from the, the convenience store? I'm not, I'm not a woman of mystery, Sarah, and I'm a good <laughs> We were standing up at the Family Mart, the convenience store in my hometown. I mean, this is from a place where you are filled with adrenaline, filled with cortisol, like your brain is firing all over the place. And you were like, Donald Trump and China, like made some kind of bargain so that this brings China down. And, and, and I was like, Ooh, okay. And that's when I kind of, I had to calm my nervous system down there to understand how to talk to you that day as well. And to understand how to kind of, to try my best to work with that, because I think you've hit on something here, which is really unfolding for me at the moment as well, which is that sense that it was your fault. I'm not surprised, obviously as a friend and as a kind of collaborator, I'm like, of course it's not your fault, Tracy. You know, you do not have the power to create a, (laughs) a pandemic, which takes millions of people down well you do if you decide to go and breathe on loads of people that's actually a literal power that you might have but but that wasn't the thing you needed to hear you needed your big brother to tell you it's not your fault but in this kind of and I think you touched on this in your introduction here this kind of law of attraction kind of toxic positivity environment that can be very present in the coaching world you're told that if thoughts become things and if you're not thinking the good thoughts or on the other side of that, there's this kind of rather Catholic thing 
feeling where it's like if you wish for too much then you know you'll be taken down or what you said their pride comes before a fall there's there's probably an element of truth in that but at the same time trace i can really understand why you would start i mean obviously it's part of the seven stages of grief uh, the kubler ross uh, graph but i'm not surprised that you had some of those feelings and there's one thing to be positive and there's one thing to be optimistic and there's one thing to take action and there's one thing to believe you can do something and then take it forward but it's another to imagine that there's this law of attraction where you put out into the world something and then it comes back to you of course you're gonna think shit what the fuck is this what did I do to create this which is exactly you know I mean it was just it just didn't feel fair it didn't feel like I deserved it and it was frustrating you know, and then now that I'm sort of looking out now, realizing that a lot of other people were also really, really badly affected, it wasn't just, you know, poor me, the, the whole world has been affected in some way. You are now at the point, you're now at a stage, which could be reconstruction and working through, or it could be the upward turn, or it could be acceptance and hope, where you're able to start to draw on the lessons learned. But you're being quite cautious about that because that could also be part of that toxic positivity cycle as well. Maybe. Yeah. And I've thought a lot about this lately, Sarah, is that what's really hard is that, you know, to be honest, I've had a, when you grow up educated from a country that is a first world country and and you've grown up as a very comfortable middle class or and and gone to nice schools and all the rest of it you have a certain amount of I guess you know you don't recognize your privilege and this even though I say I try to do the work and I try to you know acknowledge my privilege and all the rest of it this is when I really felt like you know I had no control I had zero control over my own destiny. Everything was happening around me. And that was really untethering when you've had a certain expectation of, you know, it'll be okay because you've, you know, when you're used to it, when you're used to privilege, when you're used to it, when it's taken away from you, it's oh, it's, it's, it's a rude, rude shock. So I guess I've felt like I've done a lot of growing. I've got a lot more empathy, especially, you know, I've thought a lot about people that have come from war zones or people that have had their homes ripped out from them you know I really feel what I've been through is a very very small part of what these other people have gone through and if I've felt so bad because of my little in comparison you know experience like God knows what these poor people who are refugees who just have their whole lives ripped apart. They don't even know where they're getting their next food from. It's like, I can't even, I can't can't even. So um, I have a lot more recognition of the safety, emotional safety and psychological safety and physical safety. My experience showed me what it was like just a little bit, but not to have that. And I didn't like it. It's not good. So I'm now trying to decide how am I going to use this um, and how I'm, you know, how I can help others. Um, but yeah. yeah, I still have to get through, get to a place for myself yeah, first as and, well. And I think you hit on something there is to, yeah. to look after your own thing first before kind of going out into the world and, you know, trying to do something else. Maybe it's interesting. You just hit on that, the empathy part. And I'm relating this back to what you said earlier, where you said like that that one of the hardest things was having to make that emotional jump from having been 
this is nonsense. It's all going to be okay to like, oh, this is desperate. Like, I think what you've reminded me here is that at that time, thousands of people were dying by the day. Hospitals were bursting at the seams in England and in certain countries in Europe and so on, and which is where we would see things. And that was hard as well, because you had to not only switch your switch, but also see all that suffering happening as well. And as you said, you're a very empathetic person who can quickly make connections in that way. So then it was like not only the guilt of thinking that like somehow pride had come before a fall and this was this. And then suddenly you had to be like, oh, my God. And I was denying that this was happening and all this suffering was going on around me and then you kind of now you you've you've done you've done a really smart thing here which is you've turned that into like really true empathy but you're also not trying to fix it too quickly it's like you've slowed down somewhat it's like you've kind of taken a breath and you're like yeah in that kind of something like reconstruction and working through phase of the seven seven stages of grief or something along those lines what what do you think Tracy yeah, I think what I'm trying to do is recognize that I have lived a life of privilege, even though, you know, I've thought that I've been a deep thinker or I've thought that, you know, I've, I've had a certain amount of knowing what I want. What I've had to do is just really strip down and figure out, well, what's important to me? What do I want to say? Rather than just repeating the things that I hear. I'm, I'm a very good sponge. I, I, I do a lot of study. I'm a lifelong learner. I, I read a lot and, and I listen to a lot of things. But what I've found is that I've just been parroting a lot of the things that I've heard. Now what I'm really trying to do is think is trying to distill all that down and go, well, what do I actually think? What is important to me? What is my true north? And have that direct my path from here on. So that's what it's done. And also, you know, because of, you know, because of the trauma, it was trauma and I was denying it and pushing it down. A lot of other things came bubbling up and I wasn't able to cope. So I had therapy which was fantastic. And it was night and day. So that broke down a lot of old stories that I was telling myself and uh, just sh shine sure. a light, sh shone a light on some of those stories that I just, you know, that had just been there that I hadn't really, you know, processed. And, but they were coming now back to bite me in the bum. So I looked at them and I went, hang on, that's not true. What is true? What is my true north? What is my true story? And um, I think I'm able now, better, still work, <laughs> to, to say, well, what is my truth? And that therapy really helped me because I was just not computing, not processing. I'll probably have more therapy in the future, most likely. I'll, I'll keep on with coaching because um, I find that that's very helpful for me. I don't know, for any Harry Potter fans, it's like, the pensive that Dumbledore has, you sort of pull out a thread of a thought and then you look at it from the outside and go, oh, okay, let's look at that thought. Is that true? Is that not true? And it gives you that skill of being able to do that rather than just uh, let that, you know, that story run in the background. So yeah, that's, that's what I've done. What has come out then as some of your really deep, true norths? Are there any that you're able to articulate at the moment or are they just kind of living in you right now what has come out of it well first of all it's not my fault and so many things aren't so many things aren't what else have I learned is that I've got some skills I've got some you know resilience I've actually got a lot of education yeah. that I can draw on I have a lot of empathy I have a lot of curiosity oh. and I'm a good person 
<laughs> so, and what also I've learned more as well is that being in a lot of spaces with other people who are being very vulnerable and talking, it's like, I always thought that I was hiding a lot of my faults because they were unique to me. But what I'm recognizing is that it's it's quite a human thing, that I'm human <laughs> and that the, the struggles that I've had are very, very common and that's okay. So that's not a very articulate way of describing. That's but... perfectly articulate, Tracy. And I wanted to add to that as well, that you have a lot of love. And I've always thought that about you. And that's how I closed out yeah. our last podcast was by by talking about that. You have a lot of love. You have a lot of joy. And then sometimes that can sometimes get lost in the just the mechanics of daily life. And especially when something like this happens, it's like there's no there's no through for it or it surfaces every now and then. But like just a very loving, joyful, fun person, I think. But I have to say that it was a real turning point for me as well when I was like, actually, I have a good heart. Sometimes I behave badly, you know, because I'm triggered. But I actually am a good person and I have a good heart. And that wasn't the messaging that I'd received. I hadn't received that messaging. Mm -hmm. and, and from that place of recognizing that you're all right and like, you know, you're all right. And I'm not talking about this kind of like you are enough and stuff like that, which is also useful. It's really useful that we talk about that a lot. I mean, like that you're actually a good person. And really knowing that in your bones really allow it, it, mm -hmm. it creates so much potential and authenticity and so on. I just love that what you said there, Tracy. This really is a story of evolution. And I also don't want to downplay the, the terror that was that time as well. And of course, now from this perspective, you can look at it and think, actually, I had a lot of systems in place that I'd put into place or that my parents had put into place or that my education had put into place and all, all those things that, you know, people like us luckily have to surround us. But it doesn't feel like that at the time. And there's no guarantees. <laughs> we, we don't know that tomorrow we're going to find out that our family had like gambled the family fortune away or something like that. You know, it's always good to have some independence there. It's always good, especially as women, to have financial independence, I think. Does that make sense? That's right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It, I'm really grateful to my <laughs> past self for actually putting, you know, <laughs> to actually have done some investments yeah. when the money was good I didn't just squander it all on shoes and handbags you know I've always felt one of the stories I kept telling myself is I'm not very good with money it just sort of slips through me but you know what I actually did put some systems in place from my early 20s that really were Amazing. I was able to draw on and and I'm sort of grateful to <laughs> you know to young Tracy when I actually took a good hard look at the situation it's like oh okay we're going to be okay. It's going to be rough. It's not what we thought it was going to be, but we're going to be okay. And also had to communicate that with my husband, who was also having a freak out too, understandably. Uh, so, you know, that then, you know, when we re recognized that we weren't going to have the electricity shut off and be kicked out of the house, um, we then could make other plans. And so that's what we've done. Yeah. And there's another bullshit story that you were able to smash through, which was like some set piece where you're saying, oh, I'm crap with money or whatever it is. Or it's so funny. Like, where did that come from exactly? <laughs> you know? It's so funny, isn't it? These things. And I can actually remember at the time, and this is testament luckily to my training and also testament to the power of emotional hijack and just how desperate you were. I can remember having these conversations with you and saying, I think we need to look at the numbers and it just was going, it was like, there was like a, a barrier around <laughs> you, which was, 
and you know I I, I honestly do yeah. think that when people are in like trauma like that because it's just basically like getting punched in the face over and over again but not enough to knock you out so when you're in that space you have to create protective stories for yourself and that I think is what this kind of shock and denial piece is it's it's an actual part of when you're in grief because what you're describing is grieving as well when you're in that grief about loss Mm -hmm. so that you don't just totally crack up completely crack up that you just create some stories to make that feel okay. I was actually listening to a podcast called Griefcast recently where one gentleman was talking about how he buried his younger sister who was like, I don't about 15 years younger than him. She passed away of cancer in her very early 20s and he was in his 30s and he was a celebrant. So he celebrated her funeral. But whilst he was in the church, he started to hallucinate and he could see clouds and thunder in the corners of the church. And apparently this is an actual thing the body does to stop you from actually just completely breaking. It creates something to divert your mind away. He said he could feel things snapping inside him. That's how it felt. And I think, right, but this to me feels like same, same, but different, a different version of that. And uh, Mm. where you just, you kind of create some stories around yourself to just manage the enormity of what's happened. Yeah, and what I've done as well is I've allowed people to help me and to, to hold me. And um, that's probably something that I've never done before because I've always tried to be the person who helps everybody else because that's who I, I saw myself as. I saw myself as someone who was solving everyone else's problems and helping everybody else. But I allowed people to help me. So that was, that so was you've become a, a journey for me. <laughs> And now it's the path to enlightenment. So that was kind of early on. And then you spent the year. When did you start to feel a kind of turnaround? Was it when you had the therapy? Let's look at the timeline now. So it's been nearly two years since this this kicked in. So it started in January Mm. 2020. And then kind of there was Christmas. Mm -hmm. We spent Christmas together, which was which was nice. So when did you start to feel a slight kind of turnaround where your body started allowing you to just go out of survival mode well I guess throughout the spring and summer of 2020 I was kind of numb I was just you know I remember getting up in the morning just going through routine homeschooling and and uh, oh my god yeah let's not forget that you had the kids at home full-time and the husband at home full-time while trying to close flats down that's right and we were closing it. So it was really just putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and, you know, just trying to get into a different routine. It was after that, that that's when I sort of fell apart, sort of late summer, fall, autumn last year, yeah. um, 2020. That's when I really, I guess, because a lot of things had been done and a lot of, you know, a new routine had been found and you know the mortgage was being paid and we'd been shutting down houses and then then I guess my body just went what do you mean by shut down okay well I couldn't hold a conversation I couldn't be on a zoom call without bursting into tears you know and it was just my inner critic was just like going you know I was trying to decide how to move my business forward like because my old business I had to grieve that I had to really let that go and then, okay, well, well, what now? It's like, I can't just live in this limbo. Now I need to go and really put myself into something that's new, that's going to, you know, make new money. That's, you know, I can't just wait for the pandemic to over because we don't know when that's going to be. And it's when I tried to do something new 
that's when a lot of these stories just kept biting me on the bums, like going, yeah. you know, you were lucky last time, you know, you've been lucky, you've been too lucky, right? You don't have the skills to do something new. So it was just a lot of bad stories that was just crippling me, that was just stopping me from putting myself out there. And I had rapid therapy, rapid RTT, rapid transformation therapy. It was night and day. It was just like, you know, cut the crap. It was really just my body trying to protect me from another trauma, but it wasn't serving me. So it was after that, that I really started putting my efforts into earning new money through the consulting business. And that's when I started getting clients and started helping other people who were in markets that were not affected by international travel. So that's where I was able to take the skills that I had and then transfer them. Now I was able to recognize, oh, I've got some skills. I'm able to serve people who don't have the information that I have or haven't had the experience that I have. And so then it was learning how to charge people for that. That was end of 2020. But still it's been, you know, at every stage it's been, is the, are the borders opening? Are the borders opening? When is the vaccine coming? So it's been dripped out. And I think... If I'd have known that it would still not have borders open nearly two years afterwards, I may have made different decisions back then. So here's me still clinging on to hope. (laughs) Yeah, I may have made different decisions back in March 2020. You know, hindsight, it may have been different if I was able to say, all right, this is going to be on for two years. I need to make a pivot very quickly. It was so unknown. So that's been the hardest thing is not is not being able to make plans. Yeah. That's probably been the hardest thing. But like I said, in hindsight, if I'd known it would have gone on this long, I may have made different decisions back then. Whether I could have or not, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's I don't know. that thing went through mm. my head then. It was like, could you have done that? Would you have been strategic enough? I think it's a great conversation yeah. or a great conversation or a great journaling activity to say, what would I have done? And then pull out what you want to do next, something like that. So what's happening next for you? When have you kind of started? Because I can see your business is starting to take an uptick now. And your husband also started his own business. And what's happening for you now? So as a family, we sort of needed to figure out, you know, what we were doing. And then, so Ash started up his own business and that's been going great guns. And I'm, you know, really proud of him. And that's been paying some bills, which is fantastic. I've also been, you know, really working on helping other people with their short-term rental businesses, which it's been really interesting because the pandemic took my gaze out of Japan. So up until everything happened, I was very much siloed in the Japan market, the inbound tourists coming in and how I could help them. And so all the lessons that I learned was around how to do it better in Japan. What I've learned is that those lessons that I've learned within Japan, actually they're constant um, with the short-term rental market outside of Japan. So I can teach hospitality lessons that I've learned here and actually help hosts that are in other countries look after their guests better. And that's something that I can charge for. And that's something that people need and that they're getting results from. So it's a great match, but learning how to sell your intellectual property, that's been a learning curve. Yeah. I've had coaches, as you know, but being one is a very different experience. Yeah, you have to value yourself mm. and be happy to just say this. Yeah, because it's one thing saying, here's a physical item and this is how much it is. But when it's like, here's my body of knowledge and this is um, the way that I do that, Tracy, is I I separate myself out from it. So it's not about me, Sarah Faroui, even though I'm the product, it's about my business. 
it's about Sarah for who you're coaching and I'm in service mm-hmm. of that business and that makes it much easier for me to price them. yes yeah but it's still not easy mm-hmm. but I don't want to live my life whining about that <laughs> do you know what I mean I mean the hard, the hard thing is the selling part of it it's like you know once I'm in front of somebody who needs me it's like it's I find it's really easy it's just getting that you know that mm-hmm. whole selling piece is quite hard you know to have a product that shows a value that someone else is prepared to put money down on. Oh, mate, um, if I yeah, got, if I got a rental, I'd, I'd instantly hire you. There's no doubt about it because in my mind, I, you know, I have a very active imagination. I can imagine buying a house and then renting part of it out. But that kind of, like the amount of mistakes you could make or the amount of emissions you could make, it's a no-brainer to me. So I can see that value. It, it seems simple, doesn't it? people need plates and cups and knives and forks and stuff like that but there's something extra that goes in there and you can just you can help people to source furniture you can help people to arrange their rooms so that there's a nice flow you can help people to interior decorate you can help people to give that extra plus alpha that you know can give five star reviews and stuff like that and I'm not just saying this to do a kind of PR for, for, for Tracy Northcott Consulting. It's just, say, you, just you don't know what you PR don't know. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know. Like, I would love to have an interiors shop, right? But then I'm like, how do you source things? Mm-hmm. Where do you find curtains vendor? Where do you find a wallpaper vendor? And I'm like, you know who I want to talk to? I want to go and talk to this person who already sources things in Asia. Alex from Turquoise Port. I'm like, I should go talk to her and see if I actually want to do it. Do you know what I mean? So one of the things that I note from this, and it's come up a lot recently in my coaching and also in my executive coaching and in the journey programs that I run is you can't do things alone. You can't do things alone. You need a team. And that's just normal. Of course, there's some things you have to work out on your own and build your resilience around on the other hand or skill or expertise, but you just can't, can't do things alone. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as like, you yeah. can't repair your local traffic lights. <laughs> you know, that's why we pay tax. There's somebody who does that for you. You know, that idea that the pothole outside your house is your job to source the concrete and stuff. It's not. <laughs> and then if you apply that back to everything else, everything like the emotional world, the business world, pricing world, coaching world, whatever it is, brings you back. So Tracy, mm-hmm. um, there are many ways to lead a life. What does that mean to you? There are many ways to lead a life. What it's meaning to me right now is that you can't leave all of them. You've got to, you've got to, <laughs> you know, at some point you've got to make some choices and actually go with them. And that for me, that's a really, really hard thing to learn because I want to do all the things and I want to experience all the things. And I think coming now that I'm in my 50s, I had my 50th birthday in lockdown. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. But now that I'm in my 50s, I need to discard some of those options now and let them go with love and actually choose what's important to me. How do I want to live out the rest of my life and making some choices and sticking with them now? And I think that's what I want to do. And uh, sticking with them until it's finished and then look at the next, look at the next thing. I think up until now, I've tried to do all the things all the time and never really had a true purpose or a true north, 
now I want to really just strip away some of the things or close out a few things and actually, you know, have some choices that are, are making me happy. I'm still working on it. I'm still looking for them, but um, that's my plan. Yeah, great. So I'm going <laughs> to close out the same way that I did the last time by reading your 10-year decade in Tokyo. And this may have some, you probably haven't heard this since the last time I said it to you, read it to you, because no. I think there may be some clues in here. And for me, I hear you, you know, you know, I, I hear you. For me, it's it's what what's in front of me that gives me pleasure. That's it. You know, that's it. It's like simply, simply what's in front of me and then grow that out. So that's how the Skywatch came about. It's like I deliberately look out of my window every day to be so happy that this is what I did, you know, to be so happy that I moved here. And then, you know, other things that give me little pleasures are like this cup that my assistant Laura gave me, Peacock because a peacock is a kind of motif for one of our groups. And then there's another cup here because I like to bring two cups of tea up with me. <laughs> so British. That another client gave me, which has got all books on it. It's got all book spines on it. You know, little things like that, that really, I've got a shell that I got from my holidays off the, off the beach. I asked the beach if I could take it and she said, yes. And some more here from, <laughs> from the beach. So it's just like, everything kind of points you in a certain direction I think that's the north star thing is you see it and you follow it but you don't know where it's going to drop you right I think that's the idea of it mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read the book finding your north star by Martha Beck no I have not no I haven't read that yeah, I mean Martha you know Beck, so she's a coach with flaws and privileges embedded in her coaching style I suppose all coaches are but um that book is terrific actually I really like that book I found that book in New York I was thinking about that book in New York and then I turned to the left and there was a table with all book you know in New York there's these tables on the road and it was right in the middle and it was one of those moments wow. where I was like oh, okay okay I'll have that thank you it was like five dollars or something <laughs> anywho yeah so I'm going to read this it's a decade in Tokyo it's from your old blog the Keitai Goddess which is still there I went through that last night with my son so he found it he found it and he was asking me questions about it because he'd never seen it but now he's 11 he can google <laughs> he found it and he was we How went funny. through it what was so he googling you mm. yeah <laughs> um if you wonder why we're giggling then maybe watch the first <laughs> podcast that I did with Tracy or the videos that are on my YouTube channel and you'll understand why <laughs> because there's some choice stuff out there. So reflections over the last decade. So it says here, yours truly is now married, pregnant, and very happy with her husband, home, job, friends, family, and life in Tokyo. We'll look to getting permanent residence, check uh, this year. So we have options if we ever want to leave and come back. Way too many reflections for a short blog post, but looking back over this blog, that covers nearly half of this time from April 2005. It is interesting to remember the ebb and flow of my life here. What hasn't changed are my core values, the importance of family, friends, joy, fun, and peace. The pleasures that can be gained from doing something well, be it at work, at play, or connecting people, creating smiles and solving problems are also constants. It's been a great decade. Yes, that still resonates. Being numb for 2020, I think I lost a lot of the joy. And also, I guess because I'm such a human connector, being so isolated from people, not being able to travel was a big, big loss. 
So no. that was 11 years ago. Yeah. And uh, here we are now. And, 11 um, years ago. So this is breadcrumbs, right? This is breadcrumbs. <laughs> yeah. All right, then. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tracy. This is the end of the podcast. I'm Sarah Faruya. I believe there are many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories. And I want to tell them. And today we've listened to Tracy tell us the true, raw truth of the disaster that was 2020 and the rebuilding and the evolution that was 2021 and how she managed and how she had such enormous trauma but also started to recognize what she has and I love that she's now able to hold that paradox and I hope that you are too of that kind of the terrors that she went through and uh, also what she has and those two can sit together without having to mean anything or make one less and one bigger than the other it's just true and how she was able to find this great empathy for other people and I think that's probably an empathy that she will bring into her business in the future at Tokyo Family Stays and also at Tracy Northcott Consulting and how she's really looking forward to the future and she's realized she didn't lose a house and she's in the recovery phase and knowing Tracy, she's a serial entrepreneur and she's also always got something in the uh, in the works. But I think she's having a little a little rest for now, not a rest, obviously, because she has a family and she runs businesses, multiple businesses. But just allowing herself to have that time where she's not constantly thinking what's next and taking action, but actually just taking a bit of time to savor this building time and to savour this new evolution and to really think about where her North Star is. I think this has been really, 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 really frank. I really appreciate you, Tracy, for having been so frank and so open and so down to earth about all this and just so honest. It's um, really, truly what the fuck happened. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this latest legend on the Sarah Furuya Legends podcast. Hop over to sarahfuruya.com where you can find the full complement of uh, Legends interviews and conversations. Also, you can like and subscribe over on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. I absolutely love these interviews and these conversations I have with these people. I don't care about subscribers, if I'm absolutely honest. It just helps to get more people over to listen to these fantastic people. I cannot wait for my next interview. I really hope you can get stuck in and find some juice and some delightful little nugget of knowledge or encouragement from these that will help you to create your story and to take your story forward and to weave and dream up and high dream your own story. Buoyed up by the stories of these people, I would call them ordinary, they're not, but these people, these beautiful legends who I've selected to help you on your way and to help me on my way. So please enjoy, share, subscribe. My Facebook page is Sarah Faruya Coaching. My Instagram page is at Sarah Faruya Coaching too. So get into it. Thanks. Bye.